This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Ian Harding. He's the host of Do It For Yourself Podcast and the Do It For Yourself Movement. Thank you for taking the time to jump on today. Absolutely, Roman. Thank you so much for getting connected and uh, reaching out to have me on. I'm really looking forward to uh, having a chat with you. Me too. So how'd you kind of get to, you know, 2019 you? What's kind of been your journey and, you know, the stuff along the way? Yeah, so it, uh, it all starts back, honestly, you know, when I, when I was a kid, I was the kid who was overweight, uh, the kid who was constantly, you know, picked last for pickup games, the kid that was the easiest to poke fun at. That really carried through um, all the way up until about middle school and high school when I realized that if I was the one to make the joke, if I was the one to say it first, um, somehow, some way in, in my head, uh, I felt as though that it, it didn't hurt as much. Um, so I, I really started to kind of crack the jokes first and make the jokes first so that no one else could get to the punchline before I could. Because like I said, somehow in my head, I, that, that made it seem like it wasn't as hurtful, whereas you know it still was just as hurtful. And when I was going through high school and into college, I made a transition um, into a new job. And when I started the new job, I, I was a lifeguard and a swim instructor for a local health club. And one of the benefits of being an employee at this local health club is that you get a membership because you're an employee. And so I reached out to one of my best friends and I said to him, uh, listen, tomorrow is the day that I'm starting. I, I'm starting this journey and I'm going to start this journey for the last time. I've tried this in the past and it hasn't worked. Um, you know, can you just give me something? Give me like a total body workout that I can follow. Uh, let me know cardio wise what I can do. And, you know, just, just can you please help me get started? I, I was really kind of at my wits end and I, and I reached out for help from him. And he sent me back just a very basic kind of total body workout. And one of the things that I still remember to this day was that he told me that I wasn't allowed to run. And I wasn't allowed to run at that point because of my size. And I was weighing in at probably over 300 pounds. And I say probably because I hadn't stepped on the scale in so long that when I started, I don't know how much I weighed. The only thing that I have to go off of is about a week and a half to two weeks into my journey, I stepped on the scale and I had weighed in at 297. So you can assume after two weeks of going from sedentary to doing, you know, some activity, I probably lost a pretty good, you know, 10 to 12 pounds. So I was weighing in at, at over 300 uh, when I first started. And as I went through my journey, you know, I continued to bounce ideas back and forth off of my friend who was and still is an athletic trainer and just say, you know, hey, is it okay if I add this exercise? Hey, is it okay if I, you know, do this or try this? And, and all along the way, he was, you know, super, super helpful through the whole journey. And while I was simultaneously working at the health club, I was exposed to 
a lot of these triathletes who are coming in to do a swim. And because I wasn't allowed to run, I picked up on some swimming and I picked up on some cycling on the indoor cycling bikes. And so I kind of got this crazy idea that that was something that I could train for. But when it first popped into my head, I came up with every excuse as to why I couldn't do it. Uh, I didn't own a bike. Uh, I wasn't a runner. I was just getting into cycling. That's something that, you know, only super fit people can do. I just had every single excuse in the book. And a few months down the road, I got a message from another friend of mine and she said, hey, you know, I know you've been training a lot. I've been getting back into training myself and I'm actually training this adult right now in swimming who's going to do a triathlon. Would you be interested in doing a triathlon? And she had no idea that I had thought of this previously. I had never mentioned it to her. We probably hadn't talked in a couple months. And I said, yes, yes, I'm absolutely interested in doing this. And so we signed up for our first race together. We signed up for a race that was actually in Atlantic City, which I'm sure you're very familiar with being from New Jersey. And uh, we kind of trained all summer leading up to this triathlon that was going to occur in September. And it was pretty damn close to exactly one year later from when I started my journey. And so I towed the line of this triathlon at 100 pounds lighter than I was the previous September. And I actually ended up going on to finish fifth in my age group um, and, and get a chance to stand up, well, not stand up on the podium, but I, I was on, supposed to be on the podium. I had actually left the race not knowing um, that, that the podium went five deep instead of only three deep. So um, that was what started it all. And ever since that race, I, I have not looked back. I still get a ton of enjoyment out of doing the swim, bike, and run. It, it's what I go back to. Um, I really enjoy just getting out on my bike and going for a ride. Um, just this, you know, over the past couple of weeks, um, I've had some, you know, some personal things going on for the last couple of months, and I've gotten the chance to go back out and just clock in some longer runs, you know, seven miles, seven and a half miles, not at some blazing fast pace, but just going out and, and enjoying every mile. And, and it's really what, uh, what keeps me grounded. No, that's awesome. That's uh, crazy. In terms of the training for the year, how often, well, obviously losing 100 pounds in one year is obviously extreme weight loss, which is great. And I commend you. How often did you exercise for that? I know you said you did the uh, the triathlete training along the whole time. And how was kind of like your, your dieting or what you ate along that as well? Yeah, so my training when I first started actually was really more focused on weight training. Um, so I was doing a lot of resistance training and my cardio either consisted of the Stairmaster, the elliptical, the bike, swimming, anything that was very, very low impact. Because like I said, at that size, um, it was recommended that I not start running. And so I started my weight loss journey in September. And by that November, uh, I was you know, essentially cleared to run. I had lost probably at least 50 pounds, maybe a little bit more. And so I reached out to my friend and I said, you know, hey, listen, I've got this urge. Like this is the first time in my life that I actually want to go for a run. You know, here's what I'm weighing. Here's what's going on. And he said, nope, you are totally fine. Go ahead and go out for your run that you want to do. So I was doing a little bit of running, doing a little bit of, you know, the swim, bike and run. But my a majority of my focus and the way that I lost a lot of the weight was through resistance training. And so I actually found uh, Chris Gethin, who is a bodybuilding.com personal trainer, and he's done 
just hundreds of transformations. I found one of his plans through bodybuilding.com and I followed that. And one of the other things that I did as far as diet goes is when I first started, I downloaded MyFitnessPal. And I didn't really dive into any of the information in MyFitnessPal. I was strictly using it as a calorie counter. And I was really focused on calories in, calories out. That was it. Um, so the less that I ate, the more that I burned, the better off that I was um, within reason. I, I was still consuming probably between 2,200 and 2,500 calories per day. Um, and, you know, I was working out for, you know, about an hour and a half each day or so. Had some rest days in there, you know, following a plan from from a personal trainer and somebody who is, you know, certified the whole nine yards uh, makes it a, a lot better. And this was something that was completely free. So it had active rest days built in there and everything. Um, I, I really didn't have to worry about overtraining, which I, I didn't know about at that point. All I knew was, you know, go and, and keep going. So having that plan was really good. And then once the spring rolled around, I actually shifted my focus in my diet and I moved over to a more paleo centered diet and was really focused on eliminating a lot of the processed food that was in my diet because I had hit a plateau and I wasn't seeing any results on the scale. Um, and so I, I needed to switch something up and I knew that I was still training just as much, but you know, the scale wasn't shifting for some reason. So I switched up my diet and I started following a paleo diet. Um, it worked for me and it worked very well. It's not something that I still follow to this day, although I still have a lot of the principles from that diet that I adopt into my diet right now. There's still some things that I that I have, you know, subbed back in. Uh, for instance, just as an example, um, I really enjoy the Dave's Killer Bread, which has like, you know, seven whole grains. It's a, it's a really, really good complex bread. So I've added that back in, which whereas on the paleo diet that, you know, may not quite fit um, and, and just some things like that. So that that's really kind of some of the, the transitions that I made. And then once I got into the more triathlon focused, um, still training probably five to six days a week, um, depending on what happens, you know, uh, with work and podcasting and everything else. But I try to train, you know, five to six days a week, um, keep some of the days very low intensity and some of the other days are the higher intensity. No, that's, that's actually great. And in terms of kind of what your mindset was to keep going, because I know a lot of the time, especially with things like weight loss and let's say it's a new year's resolution or just somebody makes the decision to get healthier or in shape, but ends up kind of falling off. How did you stay on track mentally and kind of emotionally? What drove you? Emotionally, it was that I didn't, I didn't want to continue to be the person that I was. And I knew that the path that I was going down wasn't going to be a good one. Um, I, after I made, I'm sorry, just before I made the decision to go through with this, uh, I had ended a, a very poor relationship that I was in. And I got involved in a relationship um, that looking back, I probably shouldn't have gotten into. But at the time I was 17, 18 years old. Um, so I, I was not exactly thinking clearly as I am now, you know, looking back, hindsight is 2020. And so that, that was a really, really dark and bad time for me. And so I didn't want to remain that same person. So that's what really, really kept me going. Um, and as far as, you know, physically what kept me going, the the scale for me was a big motivator. Um, and seeing those results on the scale 
and watching the weight come off was a motivator for me. And when I first started, my friend told me that he wanted me to weigh in every day. And I was like, yeah, you're out of your mind. I'm not weighing in every single day. So I probably weighed in like every other day, maybe sometimes every three days or so, which I understand now where he was coming from with weighing in every day because you can, you know, track what's going on and you can see where the changes are. But it was a little better for me when I first started to weigh in every couple days because it avoided seeing that fluctuation of weighing in every single day because I'm sure as you know and a lot of people who are in fitness know the scale can literally change by like seven pounds every single day just based on how much water you consume so you know to have that happening when you are starting a weight loss journey um, can be that in, in and of itself can be discouraging so the scale was a motivator for me but I also took so many progress pictures that even if the scale didn't move, I had the ability to scroll back through my phone and look at all of these transformation pictures and still see the difference in those weeks where I didn't see a difference on the scale. I could still see a difference physically. No, I think that's important. Visualizing and seeing kind of the, the results or the change because even if it's small, I think your mind and kind of the emotional aspect of it and kind of like you being rational. Uh, sometimes you try to dissuade yourself from things like this isn't working. I can be doing other things, so on and so forth. But when you actually see that progress, it's kind of like people creating vision boards or, you know, things in terms of their goals. They see an actual change and they continue it. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so many other things that you can look at too. Like I could feel that my clothes were fitting differently. Like my shirts were starting to look big and my pants were starting to become loose and the belt that I used to use wouldn't hold my pants up anymore because I couldn't make it tight enough on the last hole. So there's there's a lot of other things that you can look at when it comes to a weight loss journey other than just that scale weight. I mean, the scale weight is great. Don't get me wrong. It was something that really motivated me. But there are other things that you can also look at. No, I agree. And in terms of kind of doing a triathlon or, you know, being a triathlete, if somebody's looking to get into that and it may be intimidated, obviously, by the distance or the, you know, the different activities, how can they maybe ease into it? Yeah, there's, I mean, so the, the first thing is that there's so many different distances out there that, you know, you can find a distance that's absolutely going to work for you. Um, so there's everything from, you know, a small, what they call like try it, try, um, where it, the distances are very short. You know, it's very, very manageable. You're looking at, you know, maybe an hour to an hour and a half. And it's something that you can really wrap your head around. So you don't have to look at a triathlon and automatically jump into an Olympic or international distance or a half Ironman distance or even a full Ironman distance. And, you know, the coaching side of me suggests that maybe not do that. There's a lot of people who have this bucket list of doing an Ironman and they do it and it's one and done. Whereas a lot of the people who I've talked to that started with a sprint or Olympic, guess what? They're still in the sport and they absolutely love it. So I would just caution against that. I'm not saying that it isn't possible. It's 100% possible. Uh, but I, I caution against it because that that's something that takes a lot of time 
to train for and you could potentially get burned out very easily. So, you know, looking up local try it tries and doing exactly what I did, you know, jump into a cycle class. Maybe you're intimidated by the cycle class. Just go and find out when there is not a class in there. The room's completely empty. Go in and jump on the bike by yourself. Go in and ride the bike. Go out and start by walking and then work yourself up. Maybe say, okay, now I'm going to run from this tree that's in front of me. I'm going to run to the next tree. And then you walk for a little bit. And then you pick a new destination. You run to that one and you just, you work yourself into it. There's no shame in taking small steps to get to where you want to go. Um, the swim, I think, is the one that's the most challenging for a lot of people, unless you come from a background where you've been exposed to water for a long time. But it, it's something where that may be the area where you have to ask for some help. And, and, you know, you have to hire somebody like a coach who can at least go through some half hour to hour long lessons with you and help you just develop the very basic mechanics um, you can develop the basic mechanics of running and cycling, you know, for the most part on your own, but it's very hard to look at yourself while you are swimming and, and make the corrections that are necessary to make sure that, that you're doing things correctly. So that would be my, my recommendations as far as, you know, getting into the sport. Yeah. And I think you touched on a good point about starting off small or, you know, making a distance, like, you know, going from this tree to that tree. I think it's important. Like if somebody's trying to get into shape and maybe intimidated by the gym, like you can do everyday things that will, you know, add to that, you know, physical fitness level, like parking super far in a parking lot to go to the grocery store. or You know, if you get the mail, just go down the street and walk back, stuff like that. So you can incorporate it and then be less intimidating because I know self, uh, you know, self image perspective. Sometimes, you know, when you're trying to get into a fitness journey and you've never done anything in terms of like, let's say the gym, getting into the gym, maybe a little intimidating with a lot of people around you are super fit and you may not, you know, feel as comfortable. Absolutely. And, and I mean, I would just like to add to that as well. Like even when I started my weight loss journey, I made small steps all over the place. And so the, if, you know, if the listeners of my podcast come over, they've heard this story thousands and thousands of times. But the first thing that I did was that I actually cut creamer out of my coffee. And that was quite possibly one of the hardest things that I did. But there were so many empty calories in the coffee creamer that I was using. And that one maybe small, small step was something that was so profound for me because it was very difficult. So I think that making small steps is fantastic, but you got to make small steps that are going to be challenging for you. So having no creamer in my coffee, yes, that's a very small step, right? It's very, to the outsider looking in, very easy. You just drink your coffee black instead of pouring in five ounces of uh, Cinnabon coffee creamer. But for me, that was very challenging. I mean, I wanted to spit the coffee out the first time I tasted it, but now I won't drink my coffee any other way. I, I have to have my coffee black. And so I think the important thing to remember is, yes, small steps are fantastic, but it's got to be a small step that's going to challenge you even just a little bit. No, I agree. And uh regardless of, you know, fitness or whatever, in terms of motivation, if it's not challenging, you're not going to kind of reach your full potential. So you're not going to get through something on like, you know, calm waters in terms of say you being a sailor, you're really kind of battle tested when you go through a storm. So something that's like super easy for you, oh yeah, I'll give up whatever. And it's not significant in terms, like you said, it's going to challenge you or it's going to, you know, add a little bit of tension. You're not going to get past that like initial hurdle, I don't think. 
Yeah, like, okay, let's start off by taking a multivitamin every day. That's not really that challenging. I mean, for somebody, it, it may be a challenge to, you know, remember to take it. But in the grand scheme of things, that's not something that's really going to challenge you. Let's start by taking out two of your six sodas that you drink every day. Now, that might be a challenge, but you're going to see the benefits of that. And then you can make it three. Then you can make it four. And you can work your way up and build upon that as well. No, I agree. And in terms of kind of your, you know, fitness journey and then going into, you know, becoming a triathlete, how important were people around you that, you know, pushed you and encouraged you, kind of your tribe or your inner circle? It was, it was the most important thing that I had because the outsiders looking in at first, when, you know, because I registered for that triathlon when I still probably weighed, I don't know, 275 some odd pounds, maybe at least. And so people were looking at me like, hmm, that's okay. Like, yeah, I, good luck. I'll be rooting for you, you know, but like with this tone that you're like, yeah, you're not, you're not on board with this. And so having the support system behind me, you know, it was funny to watch those people who were kind of questioning it even up until, you know, a week before the race that then after the fact, we're like, oh, I always knew that you could do it. Like, you, you know, you had the determination and blah, blah, blah. You know, you got to just shrug those people off. But my internal system, I mean, even just friend that got me started, like just having him along the way and, and he has supported the journey through this entire way. He has traveled with me halfway across the country for races. He has, you know, gotten me warmed up and activated in the mornings leading up to the race because he you know is like I said he's an athletic trainer so we were doing all kinds of activation stuff before the race um, you know making sure my hamstrings were loose making sure I was stretched after the race like and even still to this day I think that I think my mom has missed like one race over the course of you know I don't, I couldn't even count how many races I've done. I'm pretty sure my mom has missed one of them. So like to have that support system behind you is, is absolutely, absolutely key. No, I agree. And I think like if you're a child or an adult, that's important seeing that, you know, person that's important to you in the stands, if you're, you know, playing a sport or you're doing some kind of event in terms of that su support, just showing up and be there is, is huge. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and there was one year, I was doing a race actually over in Princeton, New Jersey, and it was a it's a it's a little bit of a further race um, than than most than some of the ones that I do. And so I, I kind of was like, oh, you know, I, I don't think my parents are going to make it to this one. And um, I, I was OK with that. You know, like I kind of mentally prepared for it. And, you know, I knew my girlfriend was going to be there. I had a support staff that was with me. Um, I had some teammates that were there racing. And so. You know, I was getting in the water and of course you get the, uh, you know, the nerves leading up to the race and you're getting ready to start. There's probably 30 other guys around me and, you know, I'm finding my spot of where I want to start in the swim. And um, my dad has a very distinctive whistle and I, I went to dunk my head under just to kind of get myself ready to get going. And when I came back up, I heard that distinctive whistle and, um, you know, they they made it to the race. They didn't tell me that they were coming. They didn't tell me that they were even going to try. I, I had just chalked it up to, I thought they had stuff going on, so they weren't going to be able to make it. And, and that was one of those things where it was like, yes, I had some support there, but, but to have that parental support there, um, was always great. And, you know, my mom is, she is the loudest person on the course. And even when I do the race down in Atlantic city, um, you know, 
that boardwalk, I'm sure as you know, that's a long boardwalk. And I can hear her when I'm coming. I can hear her when I go past her. And then as I keep going past her, I can still hear her, you know, probably up to 800 yards away. So having that is, um, it's incredible. And I, and I love seeing my parents on course. No, I think that's important. It's funny because Princeton is about 15 minutes away from me. So, but um, having somebody there and you hearing them, like you said, it's kind of giving you in a way that kind of emotional boost or that extra boost if you have someone, you know, cheering for you or whatever. It's just, I mean, the mind is kind of, you know, still not locked or unlocked all the way. So, basically providing that as this placebo effect to carry you i think it happens in a lot of instances where you have those emotions from you know loved ones or people close to you when you simply hear their voice it gives you that extra kick to uh finish a race or finish a game or whatever you're doing yeah and and like don't get me wrong i mean i love having you know people who who i know there while i'm on the course but i will say that the endurance community whether it be running triathlon um everyone is so supportive and you there's people cheering on the side like my mom will cheer for me and she'll cheer for every other person that's around as well and so that's something that really builds you up you know like you were saying having just anyone cheer you on and you know kind of give you some daps as you're going along it's something that i found in the endurance community that i haven't found in other places no, I think that's great that like camaraderie and, and support because a lot of the time, and, you know, in athletics or in business or anything you do, some people don't necessarily support you or trying to, you know, help each other. It's more so, you know, I have to make it and nobody else makes it. But I mean, that's actually nice to see. And I've experienced that now, you know, podcasting for a year, like the podcasting community is very helpful and uh, strong and always willing to kind of lend a hand in that sense as well. Yeah, it's actually funny that you mentioned that because I was just talking with somebody the other day and I said that, you know, some of the people who I've had on the podcast, you know, are obviously not triathletes. They're, they could be creators themselves or business owners. Um, and, you know, they are in one way, shape or form doing something for themselves. And it seems like creators are willing to help creators. So if it's a very well established creator, they know where these, you know, these younger creators are. And so they know kind of where it's like, you know, for me, somebody who just started this podcast about a year and a half ago, they know what it's like starting whatever it is that you're starting YouTube channel, what have you. And it seems like creators are really, really willing to help creators as well. So I have seen it in the endurance community, but you're correct. Um, I've seen it in this community of creators as well. Yeah, I mean, I also think it's based on a person and like how you position your mindset. So, you know, a few years ago, I may have been, uh, you know, focused on myself more or focused about, let's say, chasing money. But now it's like, if, if I see someone ask a question to something I can answer, whether it's going to compensate me directly, or if there's mutual benefit, I'm going to jump in and give my time, answer, show up, do something, because I know that goes a long way. And then that person in turn can, you know, reciprocate it down the line and it becomes this whole positive chain that can affect so many people. Yeah, listen, man, karma's real. Karma is real and I fully believe that. So if you're taking the time to help people without expecting anything in return, I think that in the end, you're, you're going to see it come back tenfold. No, I agree. So what's one thing you can leave the audience with uh, recommendation, advice, personal or professional? Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Cause it's, you know, it really makes you think. And, and, and as a podcaster myself, I've put 
my guests in this position uh, many a times. And I think that the one piece of advice, no matter what it is that you're starting, is that you just have to start. Like you just have to take that first step and don't have analysis paralysis and make sure that everything is 100% perfect before you go. You don't have to know how to do everything all at once. You can learn as you go. You can pick up things as you go. You can pivot. You can move. You can shift. It does not have to be this straight line that you have to stay on the whole time. You know, I started off counting calories and I pivoted and I went with paleo and now I pivoted again and I count macros. Um, Different things work for different points in your life, different times in your life. So I think, you know, just starting and having that flexibility to kind of adapt when things come along is going to be huge. No, I agree. And I think uh, I, if I could go back, I would have started this podcast maybe four years earlier, like you, I started about a year and a half ago. And, you know, it's been, it's been great in terms of, you know, meeting people and networking indirectly and then meeting people in person and just giving a platform to people to tell their story and their journey is, you know, it motivates me even going back and listening to some of the episodes and getting some of the things that I I may have missed in terms of doing the interview. It's uh, really awesome in that sense. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I, I, I absolutely love this podcasting thing. And I wish I could have taken my own advice because I actually had a microphone that I bought and I bought the microphone from, you know, Radio Shack and, and it was not a top of the line microphone and it was nothing like, um, you know, what I use today to record my podcasts. But I didn't launch the podcast with that microphone and I sat on it and sat on it and sat on it. And, you know, now looking back, Yes, audio quality is something that's very important, but you know, had I started with what I had and then improved, it just would have gotten better as opposed to me sitting with analysis paralysis. So I completely get it, man. Yeah, getting it out there is key because the first few episodes, I didn't even have a mic. I literally recorded the audio on my phone. So, you know, and then moved up to a cheap mic that had its issues. And then I have, you know, a mic... That's probably maybe 120, 130 bucks. And then, I mean, it's, it's a building building process. So regardless, you know, maybe six months, I'll have another microphone and then keep growing. But it's awesome because that journey is kind of documented. You can, you know, hear the audio quality, hear um, the format and how that's changed and improved and built on over time. And you kind of are documenting your journey. Right. It's not called, I mean, there's a reason it's called a journey. You know, there's a reason it's called a weight loss journey. There's a reason it's called a fitness journey because it's it's ever growing. It's something that's constantly changing and you just have to be aware and know that that's going to happen. I think if you're mentally prepared to know that, you know, things could have to change, you might have to pivot, you might have to be open to trying something a little bit new on the journey, you know, you're going to be successful. No, I agree. And I think you mentioned it, uh, pivoting. I think that's key. And I always mention that because as you said, it's a journey. It's not getting and focusing on a, a destination. So that destination is could be a moving target and should be a moving target and things along the way will change and you will adapt. But the thing is the process. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I had an end goal and As I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, you know, I had some personal things that happened this year. um, And so I've had to kind of pivot and I'm not going to be able to go and race at at the Nationals in in Cleveland this year. And, you know, at first I like really got down about that. But, you know, now it's like, okay, well, it's just it's not my year. There's there's 
there's a greater plan that's involved. And, you know, that doesn't mean that I should just sit on the couch and, you know, eat chocolate chip cookies. Um, you know, I got to keep training. I got to keep doing something. So, yep, having that ability to, to just kind of go with the flow and see what happens uh, is good sometimes. No, I agree. Well, it was a pleasure for you to jump on today. Can you tell the audience how they can find you or anything you may have going on? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. And, and you know, like I said, and thank you for allowing me to kind of promote some of my things that I have going on as well. Um, I appreciate that. Uh, my podcast is called the Do It For Yourself Podcast. It's on iTunes and, you know, everywhere else that you can get podcasts. So if you just punch in the Do It For Yourself podcast, it'll come right up. Um, and then I am on social media. I am on Instagram is the one that I really use the most. Um, so if you just look up Do It For Yourself on Instagram um, or Doing It For Yourself on Instagram, I will come right up. You'll see my transformation picture on there. Um, I am on Facebook as well. So you can look me up on Facebook under Do It For Yourself. Yeah, that's about it. Awesome. It was a pleasure. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.